You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today we have a special episode as a tribute to a podcast guest who has passed away recently. His name is Bill Harris. Bill is one of the very most popular podcast guests of all time here on the Live Different Podcast. And he was the CEO and founder of Centerpoint Institute. Uh, He is basically one of the guys who helped me get off the ground and start meditating with his Holosync meditation technology. a form of basically of, of binaural beats. And uh, Bill was a really an amazing human being, someone whose audio programs I took uh, very seriously. And he was a philanthropist, a pilot, a Zen monk, an amazing businessman, someone who had revenues of over $160 million and just a, a fantastic individual to speak with. And uh, I was really saddened by, by the news of his passing, uh, somebody who I always hoped that I would get another opportunity to be able to speak with. And uh, I, I really hope you listen in on this episode. I still highly recommend his product, uh, Holosync. Uh, you can check that out on Centerpoint Research Institute. But he, he was the guy, basically, that got me to sit for an hour straight and, and meditate every single day. And uh, his book, The New Science of Super Awareness, is a fantastic read and very, just very informative when it comes to neuroscience. So want to uh, commemorate Bill by re-releasing this episode with the $160 million monk, as I called him when this episode originally came out. And I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you very much. And without further ado, I would like to introduce to you a guy named Bill Harris. Bill is someone who I have wanted to talk to for such a long time. Uh, He speaks for himself. Uh, He is a Zen monk and the inventor of a really kick-ass meditation program that I use. It is the best uh, that I could possibly found. I heard it on, about it on Bulletproof Radio, which I'm a huge fan of, and uh, I picked it up about six months ago, and it has taken my meditation practice to a uh, hockey stick growth, as I, as I would describe it, to put it in tech terms. It is pretty incredible. Uh, millions of people have done the program and they estimate that uh, this helps your meditation practice progress at a time of about 8x, so about eight times faster. So Bill, who you're about to hear from a minute, has been meditating for 46 years. Well, he does it with his uh, with his program, and that will really get you to an awesome spot. So I don't want to talk too much more about it, but he is a Zen monk, and by the way, he has made $160 million. If you would like a free copy of Bill's book, The New Science of Super Awareness, that will be a special offer for all of the podcast listeners. And uh, so you'll check out the show notes for that. And if you want a sample of what I do every single day, 
in the morning, sometimes twice a day. Oftentimes if I'm on an airplane, let's call it three times a day. Uh, the Holosync meditation program, you can check out a free sample in the show notes as that as well. Hello everybody, welcome to the Live Different Podcast and today we have Bill Harris, the author of a new book, New Science of Super Awareness and I am Really excited to talk to Bill because I have been doing his meditation program for at least the last six months. Uh, he is with Centerpoint Research Institute and I've used his program Holosync for quite a long time. And uh, Bill, I have to say you're someone who I've wanted to have a conversation with for a very long time. And I ended up tweeting uh, just last week that I was using Holosync and uh, one of your, I believe it was your marketing director, had reached out and said, hey, we, you know, I'm familiar with your podcast. Would you like to, would you like to try to schedule something with Bill? So I was just, I was just thrilled to, uh, to have that happen. So, so welcome. Well, I appreciate the invitation. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I think this will be very interesting to uh, your listeners, too. Ab absolutely. Um, so... Before we kind of, of course, I want people to understand some of the basics of, of meditation, of course, but some people are, it's a topic a lot of times that people are just afraid of. I don't know how else to say it, but they think, oh, I can't do that. I could never sit in lotus position for hours and levitate to outer space or whatever they think people do. But what we were talking about off camera uh, was a lot different, and we were talking about Lifestyle, lifestyle changes that people say, I'd love to go to the gym today, I'd love to uh, eat healthy, I'd love to do X, Y, or Z, but instead, some people just can't seem to pull it off. And uh, you had mentioned that there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of brain science research being done right now, which is in your book, and uh, that a lot of what you've, you've published can help people actually make those changes in your life. So. Bill, I'd love to, uh, to hear a little bit more about what your book is about and how we can help our listeners. Well, first of all, uh, if people want to get a free copy of the book, we'll tell them how to do that uh, to, uh, toward the end. Um, they can either get a free PDF co copy or if they want to pay for shipping and handling, I'll send them the actual physical, physical book. Uh, look, before I get into the that stuff. Let me just tell a little background about myself because it sort of leads up to to this. I grew up being pretty unhappy and pretty repellent. I I was angry. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was difficult to get along with. I drove a lot of people away, and uh, because I was so messed up in so many ways, I started looking at sort of personal growth solutions, one of which was, was meditation. And so I kind of went around the block several times doing that sort of stuff, but it, and including doing the meditation. And I, I really relate to what you were saying. Um, lots of people these days uh, know that meditation is really good for you. And there's a, you know, most people don't know that much about the research, but there's a ton of research uh, about meditation these days and how beneficial it is for people not just in some sort of woo-woo way which is I'm not that interested in but in just in terms of of uh, having more willpower 
having more choice in life, feeling better, being calmer, less stress, all kinds of things like that. And um, the problem is that people, even though they may know that they quote-unquote, should do it. It's sort of like exercise. People know they should exercise, but it's so easy to blow it off. And it's just as easy to blow off, uh, you know, the three things that people blow off are eating right, exercising, and meditation. And maybe getting enough sleep would be a, a, a fourth one. Um, the Holosync audio technology that I created um uh, a long time ago now, it was back in 1985, probably before some of your um, some of your listeners were even born, and uh, it kind of recreates uh, the meditation. You know, it changes the brain in the same way that meditation does, but it's pretty much effortless and it works way faster. But at any rate, um, uh, let me get back to my story ab about myself. Not that there's anything that special about me, but I was sort of a science geek. I took all the pre-med sciences in school, and so when I found out that scientists knew what the electrical patterns in the brain were that were associated with meditation, I found that very interesting. And then a little while later, I ran across this very obscure research paper by this researcher at Mount Sinai Medical Center in, in New York, a, a man named uh, Dr. Um, Gerald Oster. And this article, it didn't, it didn't, it gave, he described a characteristic of the brain that when you stimulated it through headphones with certain combinations of what are called pure sine wave tones, um, so that some tones would uh, affect the left side of the brain and some would affect the right side of the brain, that you could change brainwave patterns. He didn't even give any use for it in this, in this paper at all. He was just describing this is uh, something that if you stimulate the brain in this way, this will happen. And so I thought, gee, these are the brainwave patterns of meditation, which is tedious and hard and so on. Could we create the brainwave patterns of meditation. If we did, what would that be like? Would we have the same kind of experience? Would we get the same sort of benefits that you're supposed to get? And so on. So I uh, you know, went to the universe, local university where I was a graduate student then, and I borrowed some equipment that I didn't know how to use, really, and bought a few other things. And in my basement, I started playing you know, mad scientist by creating these uh, these soundtracks with this technology on it. And a, a couple of my friends and I started listening to it, and it blew us away because not only did we have these like these super, super deep meditations, when we got done, we were really high because it causes your brain to make all these pleasurable neurochemicals. And so we thought, wow, this is amazing. Then, as we started listening to this every day as kind of a daily meditation, I noticed that my anger, which I had a big problem with, was kind of dissolving, and that I stopped being anxious, and that my mind was clearer, and I, I seemed to be more creative and 
you know, my brain fog kind of went away and, and I just had this increasing sense of well-being. And then over, over between 1985 and 1989, by word of mouth, a whole bunch of people started um, hearing that I was doing this uh, and they would, you know, call me and say, hey, can I do this too? And so I was making soundtracks for more and more people. I wasn't even thinking about a business or anything. I was kind of anti-business, actually, in those days. And uh, by 1989, we had about 150 people using this all across the U.S. and some in Europe. And then, and these people were having their own version of what I had been experiencing. You know, they were really enjoying listening to this because it, it's very self-reinforcing, which traditional meditation often isn't because you feel so good. It feels really cool while you're using it, and then it really, you feel really good afterwards. And um, the feeling sometimes lasts, you know, all day too, where you're just like feeling kind of high and really good. And so, anyway, people started coming to me uh, in 1989 and saying, you know, you should really create some sort of a structured way to use this and sell it. And at the time, I was making about thirty thousand dollars a year. And my, my, my extent of my ambition when people suggested this was, I thought, wow, if I could make another 30000 a year, that would double my income. That would be amazing. And so anyway, I started this little company on my kitchen table, not very ambitious and not knowing how to, how to do a company. But I kind of gradually learned and uh, I got asked to speak at different events about this. And uh, it just sort of started to take on a life of its own. And uh, it's now 26 years later. We've had about 2.2 million people use this in 193 countries. And uh, I think we've, our sales at this point are about $160 million. And uh, I, I've spoken at, in front of zillions of groups. I, I was, I've shared the stage of the Dalai Lama. I've, I, uh, I was even asked to speak at the United Nations, uh, I think, back in 2003. And you know, all kinds of things have happened because of, because of this. So, you know, essentially what we're doing, I mean, we, we started off, looking at this as, well, we're changing the electrical patterns in your brain and mimicking those of meditation. And then we realized that not only did the same changes happen that everybody talks about with meditation, but they, but they actually happen about eight times faster. Uh, I have no actual study that really definitely, uh, you know, proves that. But we've been looking at people doing this, a lot of people who give us feedback for 26 years, and that's kind of our guesstimate of the acceleration of this process. So the great thing about it for somebody that thinks, wow, I, I ought to be meditating, is that it really feels good, it's totally effortless, and it gives you results way faster than... Um, than traditional meditation. And you don't have to go through this learning curve where 
you read this book about meditation and you know you hear all the stuff about how great it's supposed to be and and so there you are trying it and uh, instead of having all this stuff happen that you read about instead you're sitting there going how long has it been what only five minutes my leg itches what's that sound out there oh god I forgot to put eggs on my shopping you know and all this random bullshit is going through your mind instead of you know this spiritual stuff that you you read about uh, happening so at any rate that's a sort of a thumbnail sketch of this um, uh, before I start talking about this new research in the brain which which kind of has explained to me in a lot of ways why this works do you you have any comments or questions or anything you want to ask on behalf of uh, the people that are listening yeah ab absolutely and uh, I, I love the story and I can definitely attest that I was one of those people for about a year who just you know I, I took to meditation and I said I'm going to do it and I said that uh, I'm going to be totally committed to it and this was all after already practicing yoga for for probably three or four years very seriously and I said okay I'm going to meditate every single day and then once I started in with the binaural beats that's when I really felt uh, the kind of the almost the hockey stick growth where okay I would lay there in my shavasana or the corpse pose or I just lay in bed is, is what I do let's let's call it what it is I lay in bed and put the earphones in and listen to this and by the end of it I mean I can't move my hands I wake up and my or not I'm not sleeping but I'm meditating and I wake up and I'm like I've feel like I was somewhere else. Where was I? I don't know, but I can't move my hands. Okay, good. Now the feeling is coming back into my body. I'm here. And um, I I'm curious to know because a lot of people, a lot of people are probably listening and saying, oh, okay, you can use meditation to get high. Or in uh, one of your programs, you said that when you guys first discovered this, you guys would, uh, as you said, get stoned off this stuff. Um, and then you realized it was so powerful that you had to, okay, take it easy and uh, because you would then crash afterwards. But I'm curious what actually it is that makes you feel so high, which I, I guess is what a lot of people who uh, are listening probably are, are very curious in. But then uh, as you deepen your, your practice, what you're you're not really looking to be high all the time you're just looking to get through your day uh, at peace so I'd, I'd love to hear uh, what you would say about that Bill well actually I like the idea of being high all the time all right <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean that in a like okay let's be drug addicts and get you know stoned all the time uh, I did that for quite a few years when I was younger actually uh, but uh, not for a long long time now um, you know, the, the whole idea here is that modern life is so stressful. Uh, there's way too much going on, way too much stimulation, way too much information. And almost everybody is in low-grade fight or flight, or, or worse, almost all the time. And this is a great segue into this stuff about the brain, because the part of your brain that's responsible for putting you into fight or flight is is your limbic system. It's a more primitive part of your brain and the whole idea is when you have some sort of 
life-threatening danger, the limbic system can mobilize you to either fight or flee. And it does that by um, taking blood away from your brain and putting it in your extremities and really revving you up. There's a lot of adrenaline and everything so that so that you, uh, you know, you, you actually become physically stronger and faster and all of this. And the idea is to, you know, deal with a literally life-threatening danger. Well, now uh, people are going into fight or flight because they uh, misplaced their cell phone or, you know, somebody cut them off in traffic or, you know, their girlfriend stood them up or, you know, I don't know, just different stuff happens in your life. And people's limbic systems are so overactive these days that they are going into fight or flight over things that are not what the whole process was, was evolutionarily created to handle. And there are serious health consequences to being in fight or flight continually. What happens is when you have this fight or flight response triggered uh, a lot, you get so that, you know, the idea is when, when the, the life-threatening thing is over, the brain, brain and body chemistry returns to normal and it goes away. But if it happens too often and too repeatedly, which it does for almost everybody, you get so that you're perpetually in this at least low-grade stress and uh, you don't even realize it because it becomes sort of the baseline. You don't really realize that there's something where, that you're, where you're much more peaceful and things are much more easy. And then, of course, there's the fact that when you make a lot of cortisol, which is one of the, the, the stress hormone, there's a lot of it made when you go into fight or flight, and other, other stress hormones, it's really bad for you physically. It, uh, it, it damages your limbic system. It actually even has damages uh, genetically in some cases. It makes you more susceptible to all kinds of, uh, all kinds of physical problems. And in fact, uh, most doctors say that all physical ailments are either caused by stress or made a lot worse by it. So this being in fight or flight a lot is a, is a huge problem. And when people get so that they aren't in fight or flight all the time, the difference is so startling to them that they can hardly believe that they could feel this mellow and this relaxed. And then the other thing is when you're in that more mellow, relaxed stage, the blood is in your brain instead of in your extremities. And you gain IQ points, you're smarter, and another part of the brain we'll talk about in a minute becomes more and more activated. The other thing that the uh, limbic system does uh, is also extremely important. Uh, your limbic system is what makes you desire things really strongly. When you fall in love, your limbic system is making a lot of a chemical called dopamine. And dopamine makes you really want you know, that person that you're falling in love with. And in fact, uh, anybody that's been through that process knows that when you get into that feeling, you will do anything to be with the person that you're in love with. And you become, you know, you figure out all kinds of strategies and it, it becomes, uh, you forget about a lot of other stuff that you might have to do because you're so drawn to do this. 
The same kind of uh, dopamine-driven limbic system stuff, though, happens when you uh, walk by the bakery case in the store and see all the donuts and maple bars and cake and everything, and you, you get a, sh a shot of dopamine that says, I want that. Or when you, uh, you, know, you want to spend money you don't have on maybe something you don't really need that much. And so people go into debt because dopamine drives them to spend money. It could also drive you to get pissed off, which it used to do me all the time. Um, it also sort of works in reverse in the sense, uh, you and I were talking about this, I think, before we started recording. Uh, you, you make a resolution that you're going to exercise every day or, like you were saying, uh, meditate. And then, you know, you get home in the evening after work or whatever and you... You know, that's when you said you were going to meditate and exercise. And you go, oh, God, I don't feel like it. And then you, you know, go online and waste your time on Facebook or whatever, whatever it is you like to do. It's these moment when the, your, the, your limbic system is, is um, running the show, you do whatever you feel like doing in the moment, but without any consideration of the long-term consequences which is why people can spend money instead of saving money so that as they get older they have this nest egg they can live on with, you know, especially people that are younger, they, they it just doesn't seem real that someday they're going to be in their 60s or 70s and need money and not be as able to work as when they're younger, for instance. So they, they don't look long range because the limbic system can't do that. So there are all kinds of lifestyle problems with having your limbic system being overactive. There's the stress and and uh, and uh, fight or flight thing, and then there's also sort of the dopamine thing. Here, here's a little story about dopamine that just shows how potent it is and how difficult it is to uh, resist it. They accidentally, quite a few years ago now, uh, found the place in the brain where if they stimulated it, uh, it would it would give the it was rats they were doing this on give it a squirt of dopamine so they they made it so that if this rat pulled a lever in its cage the, the little thing in there that they implanted in the brain would give them a squirt of, of dopamine they found that these rats would pull that lever continuously to get another and another and another and another squirt of dopamine uh, and they would not eat, they would not sleep, they would not have sex. Nothing could distract them from this. Then they put um, two levers in the cage, one on either side, and an electrified grid in the middle that would give them a shock when they went on it. And they made it so that they had to cross that electric grid to pull the other lever, and that you couldn't pull one of the levers twice in a row. You had to go to the other side of the cage each time. So that to get this squirt of dopamine, they had to run across this electric grid over and over and over. And they actually kept doing that till they burned their little mouse feet off. And so I often say to people, you know, you have uh, metaphorically probably burned your financial feet off or your health feet off or, you know, whatever by having dopamine run your life uh, and cause you to do things that in the moment seemed like a good idea, but um, 
but really were a bad idea and you had you weren't looking at the long-range consequences so one of the biggest problems that human beings have is an overactive limbic system and the more stressed you get the more overactive it gets and the more overactive it gets the more you do dumb shit and get get more stressed <laughs> and get yourself into trouble so uh, any questions about that part well, I certainly know a thing or two about doing dumb shit, so uh, I have no further questions. Well, on, we all on that. we all do. No, I I I'd like to confess it, but almost everybody is subject to this. No, absolutely, absolutely. And so, for people who are listening and saying, "Okay, I would like to be less uh, responsive in my life and be more proactive and be more creative and." Uh, live my life in a, in a flow state and use more of my prefrontal cortex, uh, how would you suggest people start uh, transitioning their life in that direction? Well, let me tell you a little bit about the prefrontal cortex because that is kind of your savior in this situation. The prefrontal cortex is like right behind your eyebrows. It's the, part, it's the, the most evolutionary new part of the brain and it's really what separates uh, us from you know, other animals, is that we have a very big uh, prefrontal cortex, although stress causes the prefrontal cortex to diminish in size and its ability to, to influence your life. The prefrontal cortex, as I, I think I said, is, this, is kind of the executive controller. It, it looks at long-range consequences. It's all about planning, uh, creativity, pattern recognition, um, there's uh, a whole a whole long list of things that it does that everybody um, you know everybody wants when you and and the, its other task is to supervise the limbic system so that see the limbic system fires faster than the prefrontal cortex so if you walk by the uh, you know the the junk food in this in the store, and your limbic system says yes, get this now. We want this. This is a great idea. Let's get it. It your limbic system isn't as fast, but um, it, it it's not that much slower. But it takes several seconds before your your prefrontal cortex kicks in if it's strong enough to do this and says no. Wait a minute. If you eat all those donuts it's going to be really yummy for about a minute and then you're going to go oh my god why did i do that uh that's i feel crappy now from the the this you know this the rebound from the sugar thing and i know i'm going to gain weight and you know you start thinking of all the reasons why you didn't want to do it it's not good for my health and so on and so forth the, it, when your prefrontal cortex is stronger um i actually uh, walk by these tempting things and um, I don't even really, I get, you know, I look at them and I can say, wow, that would be good, but I just don't get pulled to it anymore. I I'm, I'm also have become really self-disciplined on, on exercising, on meditation, on getting the right amount of sleep. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that they know these days about diet and exercise and and other lifestyle things that when you actually do them, your life improves so much 
but people can't do them because they're living out of their limbic system. And it doesn't seem like a great idea when your limbic system is, is the one that's running the show. So the, the, the really fortunate thing is that meditation calms the limbic system and it actually becomes smaller and it grows the prefrontal cortex. Uh, your prefrontal cortex actually becomes larger. It turns over more neurons to prefrontal cortex functioning. Uh, just like uh, you know, a violinist that practices the violin for eight hours every day, a concert violinist, if, if they look in that person's brain, it has way more neural real estate turned over to uh, moving his fingers and uh, hearing the sound and all these other things that go into playing the violin. Anything you do repeatedly changes your brain, something called neuroplasticity, the idea that your brain, which is a fairly new idea, the idea that your brain can change. So there are other things that are really good for you that you can do to change your brain, but the most fundamental, in my opinion, is meditation because it enhances the prefrontal cortex and it uh, calms the limbic system. And if anybody that's listening has ever known anyone that has been meditating for 20 years or 30 years or some long time, you notice there's something about them. They're, they're just very calm and uh, they just seem to be comfortable in their own skin. They, they seem to be in control. They know what's going on. They're very aware and uh, they're not pulled. They're not the one that's, you know, walking around uh, with their face in their cell phone all the time. Uh, you know, uh, it's kind of amazing in a way. Anytime you go out in public uh, at a mall or something, everybody's walking around looking at their cell phone. They're not looking at any other humans. They're probably texting some other person to have human content but, uh, or sending them a Snapchat or whatever. But So at any rate, then you have the problem that meditation uh, takes a long time to learn. Um, it's a not very fun, especially in the beginning. And the, the results come pretty slowly. And I have to say, I really just sort of stumbled in a way on this Holosync thing. I uh, stumbled on this research, played around with it, and now I've spent like 30 years refining it. You mentioned the term binaural beats. Uh, if I do say so myself, the only reason that you or anybody listening has ever heard of binaural beats is because of me. It's because I uh, took this. I wasn't the very first person to do it, but I was really the one that popularized this. And we have many knockoffs, and most of them, quite frankly, are garbage because it's a lot like, uh, I don't know, being a, a master baker and making fantastic desserts, which we shouldn't eat anyway. But, but uh, somebody that is like the best pastry chef in the world spent years and years refining what they do so that you can tell the difference between their pastries and some person that bought the joy of cooking and got some flour and sugar and eggs and whatever else and, and made some stuff and says, yeah, mine are just as good because, you know, I, I followed the recipe. And uh, it takes a long time. And, and what goes into making Holosync is actually very complex. There are literally 
an infinite number of choices about how to do it. It's easy to sort of throw something at the wall that you can feel something, but um, people don't stick with it. They play around with it for a few weeks and then they uh, and then they kind of stop. People keep people do holosync for years and years and years and years uh, because they and then when they get to the end of the program, which takes ten or twelve years, they're sad because there's no more to do. And then we tell them how to use it at that point too. But so at any rate. This thing about the limbic system and the prefrontal cortex is really at the core of whether or not a person is going to be in charge of their life or all this dopamine and fight or flight stuff is going to be in charge. In, in fact, here's, here's uh, one way that I often describe this. Uh, there are many things in life that human beings don't have any choice about. For instance, you don't have any choice about the weather or the sun or gravity or hurricanes. And, you know, there's all kinds of just sort of natural forces that, you know, you can mitigate it. You can wear a, wear a you know, a warm coat or have an umbrella or, you know, do things like that. But there's certain things that you can't do anything about. You also can't do anything about the fact that human beings are sensitive uh, physically, they get injured, uh, they can get diseases, uh, and eventually they, they die. And also, we need a certain amount of oxygen and a certain air pressure and a certain, you know, all the, there's all these limited things that we have to have in order to stay alive. You go up into outer space where you don't have those things, and if you didn't take stuff with you to keep you alive, you aren't going to be alive. So, those things we can't do anything about. Also, you can't really uh, you can't really do anything about what other people do. Uh, I've tried really hard to control all the other people in my life, and it and it just didn't work. And people often have a different agenda, and their agenda is at cross purposes with yours quite often. So that's another thing that you can influence to some degree, but you can't really. And the biggie is that everything in the world is impermanent. It comes into being, it lasts for a while, and then it's gone. And so anything that you uh, manage to get that's something you want, it, it doesn't last forever. So those things we can't have a choice about. Uh, we do our best to mitigate them and so on, but ultimately we don't have a choice about. There are, though, a number of things that you can have choice about if you can calm your limbic system and enhance your prefrontal cortex. And usually the way I say this is that when you do that, it creates awareness. You become more and more and more aware. When your limbic system is in charge, you are not very aware. You're just doing things on autopilot because of these dopamine-driven or fear-driven urges. So what I usually say is uh, awareness creates choice. Holosync and traditional meditation create awareness. Awareness creates choice. And there are really four things, four areas that you could have choice about if you uh, have created enough awareness, which, again, is a condition in your brain. I don't mean it in an airy-fairy sort of way. And those four things are what you feel, you know, what feelings you have, that actually is generated inside of you. 
And if you're aware enough to see how you're generating them and how you may be generating negative feelings in certain situations that aren't really helpful or necessary, um, you will stop generating them because it becomes a choice. And once you have a choice, you just choose not to do it. So the first thing that you could have a choice about is how you feel, your internal state. The second thing is how you behave, which is kind of generated by your internal state. A lot of people, when they're limbic system driven, they are behaving in ways that they actually aren't a good idea. They later regret, but they have no control. Uh, or, or I, I like the word choice better. So you could have choice about how you feel, how you behave. The third one is which people and situations that you attract or become attracted to. People are giving off cues all the time to that kind of draw certain people to you. If, if you think that all people are stupid, which I used to think, um, what happens is you, be, you somehow uh, give off these cues, you sort of have this vibe that attracts stupid people or it attracts people and you interpret that they're being stupid even if that's really not what it is. But to you it looks like they're all stupid. So uh, if, you, if you hate uh, selfish people, you may attract lots of selfish people and then you think everybody's selfish. So, uh, and then you, of course, are picking up on cues too. So if you get crapped on by other people a lot, they take advantage of you, you will actually unconsciously, if you're not aware enough, you see, to see how you do this, you'll attract people that are predisposed to want to be an asshole to you and take advantage of you in some way. But as you become more aware, this becomes a choice. And you see those people before you attract them and your prefrontal cortex says, uh, it would be a dumb idea to get involved with that person. And you begin to attract people who are, who are the kind of people you want to be with. And the same thing goes for getting into certain situations. Some people keep getting into the same situation over, over and over again. They get a job and then they, they think, this is a crappy job and I hate my boss. And so then they go get another job and it ends up being the same thing and it's the same thing. People actually are quote unquote doing that. They are attracting these situations, uh, although it's happening outside your awareness, uh, unconsciously. And so how you feel, how you behave, which people and situations you attract or become attracted to. And the last one is what meanings you assign to what happens. Most people don't even think about this, but uh, nothing out there really means anything intrinsically. We assign meaning to things out there, which is why if you're with a bunch of other people, people can have differing interpretations of what whatever it is means because everyone is assigning their own meaning. Sometimes, you know, part of the part of what causes us to like somebody is that they're kind of assigning a lot of similar meanings that we are. And so we think, yeah, he's smart. He, he, he gets what things mean. But if you assign a meaning, um, people don't like me to certain things that happen. Uh, then uh, you'll feel crappy and you'll probably attract a lot of other people that don't like you. you if you uh, fail at something or you have a setback at something and the meaning you assign is, well, I'm too stupid to succeed at this, I'm going to quit, then you'll quit and you won't succeed. Whereas somebody else could say, wow, I sure learned something. I wonder why that happened. What can I learn from it? 
because you know people that are successful they have the same amount of failures as probably more actually because they keep going but they just learn from it instead of use you know assigning a meaning that says quit so this is sort of chunked up from prefrontal cortex limbic system but it's saying that when you get that stuff handled you become super aware that's why i called my my book the new science of super awareness uh, because once you have a choice about how you feel, how you behave, which people and situations uh, you attract or become attracted to, and what meanings you assign, then you have a choice about everything that a human being could have a choice about. And, it's, and of course, it's a spectrum. You could always be more aware and have more choice, but the more choice you get, uh, the easier life becomes, and the more people also become attracted to you. A lot of people that have used Holsing for a long time, they tell me that, you know, people keep coming up to me that don't even know me, and, and they, they ask me questions about life or about how to be better at something or whatever because they can sense there's something about me, uh, you know, that, that when you get your shit together in this way, People can, there's a sort of a charisma that such people have that causes people to kind of want to rely on you or have you help them or mentor them or something. Okay, so I've blabbed on for here a long time. Why don't you? Um, no, Bill, I, I appreciate your stories and uh, I've uh, a lot of these principles are what come along with uh, the Holosync program because you have a, yeah you have a program a lecture series that goes along with the actual binaural beats and uh, yeah I love the examples that you've you've given and uh, I've I've also I will act, I will say that I've also had the experience uh, you told a story in one of your lectures where you were you know you had been meditating for a certain long period of time and made significant changes in your life uh, but you were in a huge hurry to go into a grocery store or something and you were late and you were all stressed out or you felt felt stressed out and somebody came up to you and said oh my god Bill Harris is that you from high school wow you have changed you just seem so calm and at peace what is it about you and you were like okay uh, this is weird but I guess whatever I'm doing is is working so I appreciate I always appreciated that story in your lecture series I, I hope I got it right or, or just about well yeah, I was the conductor at the University of Portland Orchestra and uh, had too many balls in the air, which I still have, actually. And I was eating a lot of meals in my car when I was, like, zooming back and forth. And so I was on my way to a rehearsal, and I was late. And uh, the professor who was sort of supervising this whole thing was kind of a jerk, and I knew he was going to get all pissed off if I was late. So I'm kind of stressed that I'm running... And so while I was waiting for the sandwich in a deli, this guy comes up to me and says, wow, I haven't seen you for a while. You seem so mellow. And nobody had ever said that to me before. Nobody had ever characterized me as being mellow. I had always been, they'd always say, you are so intense. Now, I'm still probably kind of intense, I guess, uh, or passionate, it maybe would be a, a better word, I guess, now. Uh, although I think intense was more like I, what I was when I was younger, but that's what happens to you. You you know, it, it, 
your limbic system calms down, you just become, you know, you have this equanimity, this sort of softening thing happens, and you're not so uh, amped up, you're, and, and, you know, you do gain IQ points when your limbic system calms uh, and your prefrontal cortex gets bigger. So, so anyway, uh, if, um, if people want to get a free copy of the book or they want to listen to a sample of Holosync or they just want to dive in and get involved or whatever, I understand we're putting a link underneath this uh, or on this page that people are on right now so they can, they can go check this out. Uh, anything else you want me to address before we end? You know, I um, just just to recap, I would say if somebody out there is listening, so uh, they they begin to meditate and uh, they are then because I think it's it's interesting for people to to just maybe people are thinking, okay, uh, I begin to meditate and then all of a sudden I become aware, but it's because you're actually during your practice of meditation you are uh, beginning to silence and actually shrink that limbic system, which is what is making you walk by the, the uh, cookie aisle and say, oh, need cookies, need a hit of dopamine, or uh, walk by people or attract people who might not be able to be in a loving relationship with you, but you then attract them anyway, and uh, you get caught in these cycles, and on and on and on, as so many people can probably relate. But through your meditation practice, you begin to uh, calm this limbic system and activate the prefrontal cortex, which allows you to, to then become become more aware, more creative, and and that is what you're calling. You know, some people would call, okay, that's the law of attraction, right? Which has been made into some woo-woo thing, but what you're talking about is, is what you're explaining in the book, New Science of Super Awareness, is there's, there's truly uh, there's truly neuroscience behind uh, behind meditation and behind these things that were once mystical but now can be proved by hard and fast science. Yeah, you don't have to be at all even interested in meditation to do this. Uh, and by the way, um, another thing we discovered over the years, I you know I was a traditional meditator. I always told people you know sit up, do this in a regular you know like you were talking about being in you know, a lotus position or something like that. Um, but what we found, we had lots of lazy people who would do just like what you said. They would lie in bed and do it. And we found out that those people got the same results as the people that were going through all this stuff of screwing their legs up like a pretzel and all that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> then we really realized that there were a lot of people that said, oh, I don't have time for this. Uh, I just, I don't, I'm too busy already. I don't know how I would work this in. So what lots of people do is if they're going to get up at eight o'clock in the morning, they wake up at seven. They don't even get out of bed. They just reach for the headphones or the earbuds, put them on, hit the play button, and then they just lie back. And, uh, if they drift off, they drift off. Uh, but, when it when it ends, um, you come back to being you know aware of your surroundings uh, right away. And when you get up, you feel better 
than if you had actually just slept in a normal way that last hour and you've done your daily Holosync without taking a single minute out of your day. So there's no excuse time-wise for, uh, for not doing this because, in fact, that's how I do it now. I did it sitting in a regular meditation posture for many, many years, but, but I do it that way every day and because uh, I, I have way too many balls in the air and I don't have, always have time to do it. Now, if I could only get so that I could do my exercise in my sleep, uh, but I, I actually have to do that the regular way. <laughs> No, that would, uh, that would be something, Bill, but no, I, I couldn't agree more because I will, I'll just wake up a little bit early and I actually find that through this meditation practice that I need, to, I need less sleep and right. I don't even have to eat as much throughout the day. I feel that's just, that's just something that I've noticed uh, within myself, but I just have more energy. Well, your limbic system really robs you of a lot of energy because when you're in fight or flight, even low-grade fight or flight, it uses a whole lot of resources uh, in your body. And so, you know, the other thing is that Holosync resolves kind of unconscious, uh, dysfunctional stuff that, you know, causes people to have problems getting along with people, as I did, uh, you know, anger, fear, sadness, uh, reactivity, all kinds of things like that, they kind of get resolved. And usually what's happening is there was some sort of loss or disappointments or trauma or something in the person's background. We all kind of get traumatized by life. And we repress that stuff, and it takes a lot of energy to repress it. And it, that stuff kind of comes to the surface when you use Holosync. It kind of dissolves um, and because you're not using a certain portion of your energy just to keep that stuff tamped down, you then have more energy to do stuff. So that, that is another thing that I, that I didn't really mention, that people end up having a lot more energy and a lot more mental clarity and focus and concentration, motivation, uh, confidence, all those, kind of, all those things increase. Bill, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. You're, you're literally not carrying this stuff with you every day, and that stuff gets he heavy mentally and, uh, and physically. So this, is, this has been an absolutely awesome conversation. Bill, if you could leave everybody just with one tip in life, uh, it can be meditation-related. It doesn't have to be meditation-related. Just one tip uh, to become more aware or just become... Uh, the person be, start becoming the person that they really want to be. Have you, do you have anything for us? Well, really, what I'm trying to say here is that see, I always, whenever I want to learn how to do something, I always go to the fundamentals. And the most fundamental thing about having a a, a life well lived, a, an aware life, is changing the brain. If your brain is not set up in a way that supports being super aware, you're not going to be super aware. And uh, luckily now, neuroscientists have figured out what parts of the brain are involved in a whole bunch of different things that people want to be able to do or want to stop doing, and they know how to change the brain. Um, 
I kind of monitor all this, all this research, I'm sort of a curator of knowledge uh, and a, a creator of tools. And there are a number of other people that I know that kind of do the same sort of a thing. So I'm, I'm looking at this research and then I'm saying, here's how to apply it to change your brain and therefore change your, your life. So, you know, the, the thing I say most often is awareness creates choice. And once you have a choice, you'll always choose what is most resourceful for you. So the whole game is about increasing your awareness. And the two most powerful things I know of to increase your awareness, there are, uh, there are some other things. We don't have time to go into it. But uh, meditation and, of course, the super fast way to get the same benefits is to use Holosync. Beautiful, Bill. Well, that sounds excellent. Uh, we will link up all of the all of the stuff in the show notes, both on iTunes and under30ceo.com, so they can get the sample of uh, Holosync, your book, and anything else anything else they might need. So, Bill, I really appreciate it. Hey, did you enjoy that episode of the Live Different Podcast? I sure as hell hope you did, because we do this for you, and if I could make an ask of you. Could you please share this episode with a friend? If it helped you out, would really appreciate it. And if you could go on to iTunes and leave us a review, that will help this podcast become better uh, found on iTunes. Spread the mission, the movement, what we're trying to do here. Get people to consider the possibility of just living a little bit differently. And if you really loved it, Come and check out what we're doing at Under 30 Experiences because it is a really cool thing. Hang out with other like-minded people, under30experiences.com, and get away from your desk.